Luke chapter 1, 67 and following. If you're able, would you stand with me as I read the word of God? Our Heavenly Father, what, uh, what wondrous love is this, that you would send your Son into this world, and you would do it in accordance with all that you had planned and all that you had provided for us previously, so that we would know these things, so that they would be there to fulfill what was written in the Scriptures. Open our eyes today, Heavenly Father, as we come to your Word, that we would have understanding and, and not just to see the words, but the Lord, that the words would penetrate us, that our lives would never be the same. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through the end of the chapter. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our Lord, with which the sunrise from from on high shall visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet unto the way of peace." The child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. I have a test that every couple who wants to be married has to take. Uh, It's called Prepare and Rich, and there are 164 questions and most of them are laid out on what's called the Likert scale. Likert scale is uh, you have a statement, and, and the, the answer that you give is based upon five categories, strongly disagree, disagree, undecided, agree, or strongly agree. And one of the statements is, nothing could cause me to doubt my love for the other. Now, most couples in, in their strong faith and, and uh, not understanding so much of life always put strongly agree. They never give a thought that maybe she's an axe murderer. And I, and I just don't know that yet. They, that never comes into the... Or, or maybe he's got six wives already and he's just, you know, we're going to be a harem here. That, those kind of thoughts never enter their mind, nor, sh- nor really should they. You want to go into marriage with 100% commitment and complete faith. Um, and, and, and because you don't want to doubt. You don't want to start your life with another in, in, in full of doubt. Now, you certainly don't start the relationship that way because the relationship 
trust and, and reaching that point where you can say nothing would cause me to doubt my love for the other, it takes time to build, and, and there are ups and downs in that, and there are times where uh, you're really tested, and you, you scratch your head and go, is, is this really the person I'm going to live with the rest of my life? And, and you test those things. You put them to the test, and, and there are times where you doubt, but you put them to the test. Well, when it comes to the things of faith, we find much the same thing. Our faith in Christ grows over time as we learn and study and spend time in his word. And and, in a sense, he is tested. You know, the word says, taste and see the Lord is good. Okay, You you have to experience these things. You have to fill your mind with the word of God. You have to read and understand and experience the work of Christ in your life. And it's not uncommon to have hiccups along the way. Uh, I mean, all of us have, have moments of doubt or crisis or even sometimes nagging things that go on for years and years and we scratch our heads and, and, and really we wonder, how could this possibly be? Of course, unless you're a pastor, then you've got it all figured out. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, there are, there are many things about faith that, that I don't understand, that I, that I do not have answers for experiences in my life that I have just hated or things that I've seen that go on in the lives of others that you just wonder why. And, and, and it's okay to ask the hard questions because the Lord can take it. Okay, he can answer those hard questions. Now the answer might be because that's the way that I want it and that's my plan. And you will have to wait to see my plan unfold and fulfilled. Those are answers we typically do not like, but sometimes those are the answers we get. But in all the times that I have asked the Lord the hard questions, again and again, he has proved faithful, faithful. He doesn't always show me the things I want to know on my timeline, which really is frustrating because I want to know these things when. I want to know them right now. I want the answers now. I want to understand now. And sometimes it is you're not ready to understand these things. It's going to take some time. Our second Christmas carol centers on a man who had some great faith because he was a spiritual leader of the people. He had great and mature faith that had been demonstrated over the course of his life time and time again. And he's going to teach us a very important lesson today, and I think it's a very comforting lesson as well, that our doubts and our questions and the unknowns that we have about our faith Find their answer in one place, and that is in here, in his word. And you have to dig in, and you have to chew on it, and you sometimes have to be patient, and and, and that can be very difficult, but the answers can be found here. This is the song, our second Christmas carol, the song of Zechariah. It is known in Latin as the Benedictus. And really, it's the least well-known song uh, of the four that we're going to study here. Um, So let me give you some background to to what happens here. Mary has traveled from far away uh, to the hill country to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and Zachariah is Elizabeth's husband. Now Mary is living with them at this time in their home, and we saw last time uh, a Mary song in the announcement, and and we know that when they get together, um, the baby inside of Elizabeth's uh, womb leapt for joy because the presence of the Messiah was there. He, John the Baptist, who's in, in Elizabeth at this time, is filled with the Holy Spirit. But also during this time, Zechariah has not been able to speak. 
He has not been able to speak. Let's go back and look uh, at uh, verse 18 here. Now, he's gotten this announcement uh, from the angel Gabriel that his wife Elizabeth would produce a son, and you're going to call him John. And, and Zechariah hears this announcement, and, and he just can't believe it. Really? Really? Can this be true? He says, I'm an old man, and my wife's advanced in years. Now, this is not, and understand, this is not from a human perspective a silly question. This is a common sense question. And so often we think of people and say, oh, well, he just didn't have enough faith. Or we, we think of, uh, uh, you know, how many times uh, the, the angel comes and says, Abraham, your wife Sarah is going to have a baby. And she's over in the corner laughing. She says, don't you know how old I am? These things just don't happen. Okay. It's not an uncommon question. It's not a question that is out of the ordinary. How can this happen? In the instance of Zechariah, he knows, because he's a student of the Old Testament, he knows there are examples of this. He knows that these types of things have happened. For women who were beyond childbearing age, women whose wombs had been closed for one reason or another, and suddenly they're open in a miraculous fashion. He doesn't understand these things. So here, verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this for certain? How shall I know this for certain? Now, I've never met an angel that I know of. Sometimes scripture says you may entertain angels unaware. An angel has never come to me and said something like this that is out of the ordinary. Uh, So again, how can this be for certain? But if you would think that the angel would, would arrive before him. Now, uh... We're pretty sure this is the angel Gabriel, verse 19. The angel answered, said, I am Gabriel. This is the guy, the guy, this is the angel who showed up some 600 years ago with Daniel. Okay? So, so Zechariah knows these things. When he says, I am Gabriel, that's, that should set off, you know, bells in his mind like, this guy is from the Lord. Okay? He doesn't show up every, you know, every, to everybody. He just comes at special times. This must be something very, very special. Zechariah was a priest. Uh, I mean, go all the way back to verse 5 of chapter 1. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a certain priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. These two people were, were righteous. They were holy. They were full of faith. Uh, They were just doing what they were supposed to as believing Jews waiting for the coming Messiah. In verse 7, and they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. We understand there is a season for childbearing. And when that season is gone, then you enjoy your nieces and nephews and grandchildren or whatever that. Uh, But but after that, you you just don't have children unless the Lord deems it appropriate. And if he intervenes in a miraculous way, then it happens. I mean, Zechariah was well-versed in all of these texts um, uh, and all these things that that had happened before. And the angel comes along and says, you're going to be a father. And he says, you're kidding me, right? She can't have kids. I can't have kids. How's this going to happen? How can I be certain of this? I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. 
and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So as Zechariah listens to the angel, none of what has gone on in the past, what he has learned about, what he has filled his mind and heart with all these years from the Old Testament really comes to his mind. Now, again, we can understand this. He's kind of overwhelmed. All of a sudden, an angel stands before you and says something that you think is humanly impossible. You can get a little frazzled, perhaps. A little frazzled. Verse 20. Behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which shall be fulfilled in their proper time. It's not uncommon for us to, to look at the things that the Lord might do or the Lord might call us to and go, really, you're kidding me? I mean... Lord, how could this happen? How could this be? Where are you in this situation? And in a sense, have doubts in our faith. We're not doubting salvation. We're doubting the fact that the Lord might be able to do things or might be able to take a situation in our life and bring about some growth in us, bring about some good from us, bring about something beautiful out of some tragedy, of some suffering. We question, Lord, how can this possibly be? But yet, those doubts get answered in his word. They get answered in his word. He says, Zechariah, you need to understand that your child is going to be the one that was prophesied in Malachi. The one who's going to come before the Messiah, who is going to pronounce the coming of Christ. And and John says what? I have to decrease and he must increase. That's so important. John is not the one. He is not the Messiah. But he brings, he prepares the way for the coming of Christ. So how shall I know this for certain? He says you're going to be you won't be able to speak until that time. Probably not be able to hear as well. Okay? Now, it doesn't say that, but we see them doing some um, uh, what I want to say gesticulation. Is that a word? Uh, making signs to him. Um, when uh, in a moment we'll see that when they probably could have just spoken to him but they're 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 making signs trying to get him to understand what is happening and 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 again we'll see that in just a moment i mean there's a lesson for us here i mean unbelief can appear almost any time in our life unbelief in what the lord can do and you may have been a christian for a long time and you hit you hit a, a, a spiritual event you hit a wall so to speak and you rub your head and you go i can't believe you would do this lord Is this really the way that you are? Now, where will you find answers to that? Where will you find answers to the hard questions in life? Uh, You you don't go to the philosophers. You don't go to your friends who don't believe. You go to friends who do believe. You go right to the word of God and see how has he acted in the past? How will he act now? Is Is there precedence for this kind of event before? That's why... Zechariah should have known. Maybe in our lives he doesn't come to us and say, hey, I know you're 80 years old, but you're going to have a baby. Maybe he doesn't do that. Maybe he brings things into our lives and we go, is there precedence for this? Is there other, are there other people who have suffered, other people who have had moments of doubt in their life, and what, have, what has the Lord done in their lives? In our Wednesday study, we're, we're looking at Job, and we're only in the third chapter of Job, and, and, and most of us know the story uh, 
Satan and, and God are talking, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And uh, God says, have you seen my servant Job? Uh, there's just none like him. And Satan says, let me have Adam, and we'll see if he really, be- if he really loves you. Or is it just because you bless him, because Job was f- fabulously wealthy? And, and, Satan, and, and the Lord says, go ahead, you just can't take his life. So he takes all his children's lives. He takes everything Job has, takes all his servants. Even his wife says, you know, just curse God and die, which was kind of a natural response. Look at all the tragedy here. You've got nothing to live for. And then his friends come along. And these are great friends for seven days. Okay? Because they come and they sit with him. And they say nothing. They, they see, they, they can hardly recognize him. He is so disformed from, from, I would think, the shock and the suffering, but also his body is covered with these boils. And, and they come and they tear their clothes and they throw dust on their head and they sit with him on his morning bench, so to speak, and just be with him. And then they open his mouth, their mouths. And we have 30-some chapters of questions and well Job maybe you've sinned that's not a question that's out of the ordinary is there something that you've done that would have brought this examine your life examine your heart and Job's and we know Job is a righteous man there's none like him the Lord himself has said there's none like him in all the land and 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 we question why would something like this go on but we see at the end it Job never really understood the heavenly test that was going on the heavenly struggle, and it's not really a struggle between Lord and Satan, but, but the, the, the dynamics there that the Lord was proving something in Job's life. And at the end, what happens? Job is blessed with twice as much, twice as many kids, twice as many servants, twice as many camels and goats and everything. He was fabulously wealthy before. He's fabulously wealthier at the end. But in all that process, I mean, he's not told what's going on. And finally, Job says, why, why? And Lord says what? Were you there when I made the water? Were you there when I created these things? This is, I am God. I am the Lord. Well, here we have Zechariah who says, uh, how can this be? And some of us have asked that. How can this be, Lord? How can this possibly be? One of the lessons we need to learn here is to be on your guard. Be on your guard for moments and, and, and seasons in our lives like that. Because if anyone thinks he stands, what scripture says, let him be aware lest he fall. Because you begin to stand upon your own efforts. You begin to stand upon your own strengths. You think, yeah, life is going good. I've got it together. I can handle anything. Ooh, ooh, that's a dangerous time. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves, the Lord will exalt Heaven forbid we think we can stand on our own two feet all the time. Now, we're Americans, all right? We, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. That's got to be in Scripture somewhere, isn't it? No, it is not. In fact, the opposite is in Scripture. Because you can't be strong until you are weak. Oh, that just doesn't make sense. How can that be? You say to the angel, I have to be weak? Yeah, you do. You do. Zechariah is overcome with a moment of unbelief, and, and that moment can happen to any of us. The strongest believer can be overcome with a moment of unbelief. Let's look over at, uh, as I said, um, oh, verse 62. As I said, he's, uh, he's not only can't speak, I think he can't hear. Um, in fact, let's go back to... Uh, 
57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had, dis- had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. Yeah, imagine all the neighbors and all the family going, they're asking the same question, how can this be? They're too old to have kids. And they're just, now they see the child and they're just rejoicing. And it came about that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were calling to him, uh, they were, were going to call him Zechariah after his father which was the norm. I mean, in our world, it's not a big thing. Sometimes sons, the first sons are named after the father or somebody else in the family. It was really important that that happened um, in, in the first century. Uh, so they just expected his name to be Zechariah, and his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, There's no, no, your relatives are called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what they wanted him to be called. Okay. And he asked for a tablet and wrote the words, his name is John. And they were all astonished that it happened. And at once his mouth was open and his tongue was loose. And, and understand, he has not been able to speak or hear for, uh, what, are, nine months. Imagine silence for nine months. And the only voice that you can hear and the only person you can talk to is whom? It's the Lord. Nine months of, of, in a sense, gestation of this within Zechariah, where he hears only the voice of the Lord, where he can only debate back and forth with the Lord. Why is this going on? Why can't I talk? And all this. And, and the first thing out of his mouth, the first thing out of my mouth might be, yeah, I can talk. Or, you know, uh, but that's not what he says. The first things out of his mouth, verse 64, and at once his mouth was open and his tongue loose and he began to speak in praise of God. Nine months of silence and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is praise to God. And fear came on all those living around them and all those matters, all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them kept them in mind saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. And this is the song that Zechariah gave. And this is a song like much like Mary's. It's not a song about Zechariah. It's not a song about, Lord, I've finally gotten a son, and he's just going to look like me, and we're going to play football and all that. That's not what he says. It's praise to God. And this is a song that is filled with deep theological truths again and again, just like Mary's. And that does not come out of a wishy-washy faith. That does not come out on a faith that's a mile wide and an inch deep. That comes from a faith that is rich and mature and steeped in God's word. This is where it comes from. These, these are the things that, 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 you know, Zechariah is just overwhelmed with God's plan and God's plan is to bring salvation. And it's the fulfillment of all that has gone on in the Old Testament. Again and again, Zechariah references the Old Testament here, and he points to the fulfillment that comes in the Messiah, not John the Baptist, but in the one that John the Baptist will point to, the Messiah. Look at, uh, hmm, look at 69. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. Zechariah is saying here that 
that the promise which had been given to David a thousand years ago, that there would never lack a one on the throne, a descendant of David, is going to be fulfilled in the one whom John is going to point to, the one whom John is going to announce his coming of. That his descendant, the descendant of David, would reign forever and ever on his throne. That is Christ, the Son of our Heavenly Father. And in Zechariah's eyes, that's going to be fulfilled. It's going to be fulfilled right in front of him. The Messiah is coming into the world. The promise to the patriarchs, the promise to all the, from the, all the prophets, it's all going to happen. And he is getting a chance to see that right before him. And these promises go all the way back, Genesis 17, 15, 12, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And Zechariah is being told, in your day, the plan from the very beginning is going to come to fruition in the one your son is going to point to. Your son is going to proclaim his coming. So Zechariah does this with, with great joy. And, and, and so what does John the Baptist preach? He preaches repentance. He says, repent, the kingdom is at hand. Repent, you've got to know your sin so that you can know the salvation that the Messiah will bring. J.C. Ryle's work, The Meditations on the Gospel of Luke, says this. We should notice what clear views of doctrine Zechariah enjoyed. He ends his hymn of praise by addressing his infant son, John the Baptist, He tells him that he shall go before the face of the Messiah and give the knowledge of salvation that he is about to bring in, a salvation which is all about grace and mercy. It's about the forgiveness of sins. It's about light, and it's about peace. And what about these special privileges? Do we know anything of pardon, anything of forgiveness? Have we turned from darkness to light? Have we tasted peace with God? These, after all, are the realities of Christianity. These are the things without which church membership and the things that go on here mean nothing. If you don't know who the Christ child is, if you don't know who the Messiah is, if you don't know who the one that John the Baptist is pointing to is, then everything else is just meaningless. It's ritual, it's rote, it has no meaning, it has no power in your life without the person and work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we come before you today, and, and, and we, we're a lot like Zechariah, because we, we have doubts, and, and we don't know why you do these things. And, and sometimes you, we, we see them right in front of us, and we ask you direct questions. How could this be? How could this possibly happen? And perhaps we doubt. And our faith is stretched. And we are formed through that event, through those questions. And as we dig into your word, we get formed more and more in the likeness of your son, Christ. That we might grow in the things of him. That our knowledge of your word and its application in our lives would be ever richer. Because of these times of questioning. Like Zechariah, how could this be? And we see in his life the fulfillment of these things. And Heavenly Father, many of us can can point to the fulfillment of our questions and the answers to our questions in our lives and say, that's what you were doing, Lord. And and I see now why you answered in this way and, and, and not last year or five years ago or ten years ago when I began to ask that question. It took me that long to grow and to be ready for the answer. 
Lord, help us to understand that you can take the hard questions. You can take even our moments of doubt because we have to be willing to look into your word for those answers and to look into your face and the truth that is before us. There we will find the comfort. There we will find the answers. There we will know your peace. Only in the person of this child who comes into this world will we know the salvation and the care and the mercy that you have for us. Heavenly Father, fill us with these these things. Fill our hearts and our minds with the love and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen.